Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast from myself, Thomas Flight, and fellow video essayist Tom Vanderlinden from Like Stories of Old, that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. This week, we're talking about Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Talking about this movie was your idea. I have to mm-hmm. say, I was excited to rewatch it. This is one of my favorite newer Ridley Scott movies, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. I really like a lot about this, but I'm curious. We're getting a little bit of an alien theme going. We've yeah, got I was thinking nope, the same. Signs, and now we're diving into Prometheus. Do you just have aliens on the mind, or is there some other reason you wanted to talk about uh, Prometheus? Maybe, like subconsciously, I'm not sure. But yeah, there's definitely <laughs> been some kind of serialization going on. So yeah, I'm afraid this is becoming like a serialized podcast and now you have to go back two episodes to understand what we're talking about uh but yeah we did an episode on nope we did an episode on signs uh i think even more what what connected even more to signs than just the presence of aliens is that i think they are both underrated movies that i really enjoyed and that don't at least in my opinion don't get the reception that they or the appreciation that they deserve they are both kind of messy-ish but yeah, they're, they're both movies that I enjoy and that have some deeper themes that have been under-discussed in some way because of the way it just generally wasn't received all that well. So you were saying they are both movies that you think are, are underrated? To some extent, yeah. I think I like Signs better than Prometheus, but I like the... I think Prometheus was also a movie that when it came out, it got a lot of criticism for supposed plot holes that weren't really plot holes, but maybe more contrived writing or and i agree with some of it i uh, there's some elements here where you where it feels like the plot had to go in one direction but for that direction to be possible some characters had to do some less than intelligent things or just there were there were some character choices there that weren't completely relatable or that felt a little bit iffy and that made the whole plot a little bit less believable and less convincing than uh, some other movies but uh, yeah overall I think this is a movie that uh, while being a prequel to a very popular franchise still manages to really be something in its own right and to pose its own questions and hopefully also develop in an interesting direction as I just before recording we talked about that the new, the third epi- or the third entry in this series is uh, apparently in development. It's very early stages, so we'll see where it, when it comes out, and what it will be. But yeah, of course, there was Alien Covenant is the one that followed Prometheus, and yeah. we're going to talk about that one in a bonus episode, uh, which will also release this month. Uh, you haven't seen that one yet, which is really interesting no. because I know there's some connections that clarify aspects in Prometheus as well. For right. example, why Guy Pierce was there in just old man makeup. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not to spoil anything about Covenant, <clears throat> but there's a, the very in, intro to Covenant is actually a scene with a younger version of that character. So just Guy Pierce playing right. in his normal face, I guess. That was supposed to be a scene, or that was a scene that was supposed to be in Prometheus, but things got shuffled around. So yeah, there's some behind the scenes issues that I guess were going on, which made it unclear where things would end up. And so right. it's interesting to uh, discuss these movies back to back, I think, and just explore the way they clarify each other and the way, uh, especially Covenant takes things in a wholly different a direction that was in some way more messy, but also in other ways, much more ambitious and, in my opinion, quite fascinating. Yeah. But today we're starting with Prometheus. So what were your first impressions on revisiting this? So Prometheus to me, I think, like, in some ways is two kind of different movies Mm. inside of each other that are a little bit in conflict, at least to me. And I really love one of those movies. And I'm like kind of okay with the other one. Hmm. Uh, So there's parts of it that I just absolutely love. And then there's aspects of it that I'm like, eh, okay, I could do without. So I'm sure we'll we'll get into all of that. But I love overall, I just love the mood and the atmosphere and the mystery of this movie. I'm a big fan of H.R. Giger's art, Mm -hmm. his designs. He was 
he did the concept art for the original for people who don't know he did the concept art for the original alien xenomorph character he's been involved in several movies and he's an artist in his own right who just makes really crazy insane you know mech like mechanoid monster hallucinogenic like art basically and a lot of a lot of the world building that is in this is in prometheus is like you know ripped straight out of hr geeger art book and so they're leaning heavily on kind of his concept art for this so i really love that just having people like walking around in that world mm-hmm. and it's it's exploring themes that we've we've talked about before that i really enjoy you know we've already kind of talked about with signs like the connection between belief and faith and aliens and the unknown and that definitely comes into play here albeit in a bit of a different way than it does in signs but Mm -hmm. also in movies like annihilation that we've talked about this film deals with a lot of similar feelings of like the incomprehensible encountering something that you just can't understand or or trying to understand and looking for answers and navigating that so i really love those elements of it Mm -hmm. and i'm sure we're gonna we're yeah. going to dive into all of that. So first, maybe I can give a little bit of an overview of what this, just the general plot, kind of a spoiler-free setup, yeah, and then we, sure. can, we can get into talking mm-hmm. about what it is. So this movie opens with an alien, of a humanoid alien of some kind. He looks like a human, but it's like mm-hmm. weird, kind of translucent white skin or whatever. He drinks some kind of bizarre-looking potion, dissolves and falls over a waterfall, and then we joined some scientists who are in on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, which was exciting for me because I was actually just on the Isle of Skye a, a few weeks yeah. ago. Did you recognize the location? <laughs> it popped up. I wasn't at that exact location. Uh-huh. I'm assuming they actually shot that on Isle of Skye. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I was at that exact location, but it popped up and I was like, oh, Scotland. Mm. Uh, that looks like Scotland. And I was like, mm, no, maybe it's. Maybe it's Iceland, and then the title card comes up, and it says Isle of Sky. I was thinking the the opening scene that's shot in Iceland, I think, but then it cuts yes. to the the next scene, which is then the Scotland one, and it's kind of similar, yes. but also not one hundred percent. So I'm guessing they really shot it on location, but yeah, yeah, Isle of Sky, the store, Isle of Sky, yeah. So a lot of Iceland and a lot of Scotland. So we drove right around that area and visited it, but uh, I didn't see this exact mm-hmm. this exact spot. I think you would have had to hike to get in up to it. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, we're there in this very cool landscape that already looks kind of alien. And some scientists are discover this cave and this cave painting with some weird symbols and what looks like a humanoid alien kind of resembles the one we see at the beginning. Apparently, they've there's been several of these types of cave paintings discovered, and it kind of creates this map somehow indicates a location to them we are on a ship it cuts ahead we're on a ship that is headed towards this undisclosed location with a crew that's all in cryostasis including the two scientists that we're joined with and Mm -hmm. um there's david this kind of humanoid android uh who's living on the ship he he wakes everybody up they land on this bizarre location and that's where our our film kind of unfolds. This episode was brought to you by MUBI, the curated streaming service showing hand-picked exceptional films from around the globe, which both Thomas and I have been big fans of for many years. They have a fantastic library of amazing films, and they add a new one every day. Whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, there's always something new to discover. And if you go to movie.com slash cinema of meaning, or just follow the link in the show notes, you can try Mubi yourself for free for 30 days. So be sure to claim that extended free trial and start your month of great cinema today. Where should we start with, with Prometheus? One of the things that that's always fascinated me about movies like this uh, and just by the way i really love movies that especially science fiction movies that that kind of make the thematic question they the actual plot of the movie like the themes here about where do we come from who created us and what's the purpose of existence it's not like subtext here it's the actual explicit plot which is something that i really enjoy and i love the way the movie opens with that 
kind of wondrous music. It's not doesn't feel like the opening to a horror movie or it doesn't feel ominous. It just feels like you're going on this fascinating exploration that dives deep into existential questions and all all that good stuff, you know. And then there's obviously immediately the the mystery of the alien that is abandoned essentially on Earth. And that immediately there's a lot of questions there about. Yeah. Why was he there? Was he being punished? Was this some kind of ritual? Did he know what was going to happen if he drank the goo? Right. Uh, was right. he aware of what was going to happen? Just And that's what I love about the engineers in general. There's so much mystery about their whole deal, basically. Like, there's, uh, as the crew later goes to the planet and they explore, like, the, the, the caverns of the tunnels they find and eventually the ship, there's a lot of backstory that pretty much goes unexplained. And I remember from the original Alien, the only thing that they revealed there was just... There was the presence of, uh, I think they called it, the space jockey or something. Anyways, there was one engineer that apparently was an alien, and that's sort of the same as the ones right. you see here. Even though it doesn't clarify that much else, except for that they apparently made us, or all life on Earth that eventually evolved into us. And at some point they became angered or displeased with our existence, and that kind of propels the second half of the story where it turns out that one of the engineers awakened and he wants to continue his what was apparently his mission to take that ship that's filled with the black goo that destroys humans and then travel to earth and basically just destroy all of us yeah i think that's i'm not sure if that's the best place to start the discussion but i'm curious to hear what you thought about the whole the kind of the engineer side of the plot and how right. that relates into the, the the other story and maybe also just the story on a thematic level so i love the feeling in this movie of the characters kind of walking into this world and stepping into the midst of something that they mm -hmm. don't really understand they don't really know what's going on they have a very specific idea of like you know, they're coming to meet at least the the two scientists, Dr. Shaw and Dr. I think he's also a doctor, Dr. Holloway. They they mm -hmm. have this very specific vision of like we are coming to like meet our maker and there's going to be some kind of like meaning found in that instead of finding meaning, they just kind of step into the midst of this scenario that has like layers of layers and layers of questions and mystery mm -hmm. and very little that ultimately gets revealed and and not that many answers mm -hmm. if basically they find more questions than answers right yeah. yes what's happening underneath that is kind of what you're you're talking about which is this whole there are bits and pieces that we do pick up on and that we can put together which is mm -hmm. this idea that there are these engineers they had played some role in creating us and we can't you know we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on they by the end of this movie they they seem to want to be destroying us also i can't the part of it that i can't figure out is like to me it seems like in question and maybe this is stuff that alien covenant also ultimately mm -hmm. answers so don't spoil any mm -hmm. of that here i guess we'll have to limit <laughs> the discussion if it does but to me it's an open question as to whether or not like because eventually, so there, there's two elements. There's the engineers and then there's the like xenomorph style aliens. Mm -hmm. And the engineers seem to be like running from things or like the holograms of the engineers we see. They're like escaping something. Something else is happening here mm -hmm. beyond just like the engineer, what the engineers are doing. Yeah. And so there's a lot of questions that are left open ended, <laughs> I think, in this movie about what mm -hmm. is actually going on in terms of what the humans are kind of stepping into when they enter yeah. this environment. It also looks maybe like uh, that maybe some of the engineers weren't agreeing with the mission to destroy life on Earth, that there maybe may have been some division between the engineers right. as to what the fate of humanity should be. And so yes, maybe there yeah. was some kind of rogue agent who locked himself in and the other ones trying to, to reach him or something like that, but... I'm guessing that's the two movies you refer to, that the, basically the engineer movie and the alien movie, or kind of the existential exploration and the horror story with the with the creepy monsters, or 
the so the two the two movies that I think are going on here is yeah. kind of like the movie about humanity searching for answers and mm. and fi- trying to find its creator, and then the other movie is an alien prequel that yeah. Yeah. is kind of trying to fit within the boundaries of like the expectations for an alien movie, which includes like you know weird monsters that are gonna mm. suck on people's faces and like. These scary scenes where monsters are are having people are running around and and the humans are kind of doing dumb stuff that gets them killed and like all those things that are kind of these tropes established by the original Alien film that aren't necessarily bad they work really well within that context but but to me this movie does so much like interesting setup of these like existential this like mm. kind of existential horror of you know, you come all the way to this place, you know, you're searching for answers and you think you're about to like meet your God essentially. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out they're just like kind of petty or like squabbling or they don't care about you. And like, they've got their own issues they're dealing with or like Mm -hmm. all these other things. And then you're just stuck in space, like, like off on this planet. And like all of a sudden the whole vision that you have of like life finding meaning in this like moment is like shattered like it goes right in these very interesting like existential directions mm-hmm. and then instead of fully embracing that and kind of engaging with those existential questions in a very deep and meaningful way it's like now here we fight the monster part mm-hmm. and it be- turns into like an exciting like alien what you would expect from an alien from an alien movie where it's like let's fight the gooey yeah monster with tendrils that's what i mean by i think those two elements of the movie kind of are in competition with each other where like i kept Mm, i kept getting like ramped up (laughs) for one element and then the other would like cut in and then it would be back to like the moody existential bit it's almost more limited by being an alien prequel then yes yeah and yeah i was gonna say the whole evolution of it all also becomes really messy in the way the sort of evolutionary chain works between because you have the engineer plus the black goo that equals life on earth and then later the humans they come into contact with the black goo and they become these enraged zombie beings yeah but then again when one of those beings or one a human being that's infected with that black goo then has intercourse with a healthy female person as happens and there's a sex scene between shaw and holloway and Right. It's, uh, Holloway impregnates Shaw, but because he was infected, that fetus is also now like some sort of alien creature, which is aborted or like given a C-section. I'm not sure it survives. So, yeah. Yeah. She tries to remove it with a, a yeah. surgical, automated surgical device. It survives the uh, the removal. And so that creature then jumps the engineer, which then gives birth to the like a proto xenomorph but at the same time when they go into the ship there's like this mural uh, that also seems to have an alien or like a xenomorph face on it so maybe that i'm not sure how it all links up i'm not sure if ridley scott still knows i'm i'm guessing he's the type of director who doesn't really care and he just right, does right. it isn't bothered with like those kind of details and for me personally i also think you can get away with that not being perfect if you right just go for the dramatic impact it's not going to be a yeah. biology book or something so right, right. <laughs> i think i think some of that is also a reflection too of like david lindelof is one of the screenwriters on this movie mm-hmm. and and he was the writer of lost and and shows like the leftovers too and he has a big penchant for just like mystery for the sake of it and Mm -hmm. like kind of the unsolvable those elements of it don't bother me too much i'm okay with sort of just like not knowing what exactly is going on or why or what does what because i think that reflects like sort of the situation you would probably be in if you were actually in this situation which is Mm -hmm. in you wander into a high sort of alien civilization and uh, the assumption that you would immediately be able to figure it all out and know like, oh yeah, this is what's happening and this is why is mm-hmm. a ridiculous one. Even there's some moments too that even kind of clash with that where 
like they figure some things out like they're like this is a uh this is where they build weapons or something like they they figure out these certain things out with like a high degree of certainty mm-hmm. that in my mind it's not exactly just explained why they they know that yeah. so certainly especially with david who seems to know a lot about this culture yes. that it's not shown to us at least that we should have knowledge of that at all but right i think yeah. that's my only gripe when it comes to those kinds of writing things there's a big like issue on a more meta level i think with these kinds of stories and that's it's essentially like a theodicy like one of those uh theodicy is a like a religious exploration that seeks right. to explain the ways of God traditionally yes. and also specifically the to answer the question of why is there suffering why is there violence and death and basically it seeks to explore better yet it seeks to answer existential questions and that leaves the writers with the big problem that I think one of the writers of the movie also expressed that like okay you're gonna put the creation in front of the creator you're gonna put man in front of God like what what could God possibly say that would satisfy or that be like deep enough, profound enough in order to make any impact or make any difference whatsoever that that would satisfy the man standing in front of him? And yeah, yeah. And the problem, of course, if you're gonna, if you're just a writer on planet Earth and you don't have access to the will of God, or in this case, the 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 motivations of the engineers, like that's not every explanation that you have to answer such deep unanswerable questions they're gonna fall flat because it's just there's there's nothing you can offer with certainty that's gonna satisfy that fundamental uncertainty and so that leaves a lot of movies like these with issues and i think that prometheus handled it well by kind of avoiding it or in some way passing the ball because there's at one point a discussion between shaw and holloway where holloway expresses uh, shaw is the religious one by the way Right. And Holloway is like, oh, you can put your cross away now because we know who created us. And she's like, well, you know, but who created them? Who created them? (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of the mystery is passed forward instead of resolved. And But I do like the way that it suggests that maybe uh, that whatever answer is is going to be there at the end, it's not going to be a satisfying one. There's also that great uh, exchange between Holloway and David where... David asks him, like, why did humans create Android? Why did you create me? And then Holloway is like, oh, we create you because we could. Like, there's no real profound reason to it. And then David answers like, oh, wouldn't you be disappointed if your creator said the same? So I think that, to me, that was kind of the more telling lines about what the movie is doing thematically or how it's trying to resolve its existential questions without offering unsatisfying answers. It's more about how we deal with it instead of how we could possibly resolve it, I think, in the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the part that I really liked about um, uh, the way Prometheus handled that specific question. Yeah, I th- yeah, and I think it explores those ideas. It does explore all those ideas in an interesting way. There's bits where... Mm-hmm towards the end like Shaw talks about deserving to know mm-hmm. like yeah. why they were created or and then like and then why they want to destroy us too comes in hand like hand with that and I love the moment where after there's bigger spoilers for the end there's the reveal of the fact that the old guy I forget his name is on the ship Wayland yeah, and they wake him up from stasis, and and he's been also wanting to meet his maker this mm, whole time. Yeah, and they kind of wheel him out and go in with David, and they wake the engineer up, and like David is actually able to speak to him in his language, mm. and he just kind of like squashes him like a bug. Basically, he's like, mm-hmm. you know, like shut up, you little, you know, annoying yeah. thing. Like he doesn't, he's not at all concerned with the fact that like somehow this these creations of his like made their way to mm-hmm. his you know one of his like he's just like this is annoying like i don't have time for this <laughs> is, is the vibe you get from that yeah it feels like that happens every other day to him like some creature right, he created yeah. somewhere is coming back and he's like, oh, <laughs> going back and... <laughs> but but that speaks to that idea of like that motive like oh why did they create humanity because they could mm-hmm. 
So their level of that it seems like in those interactions, the level of care that the engineer has about this humanity that he's created is like, you know, mm. oh well, it's fine. Like they can be destroyed, yeah, because he created them in a whim, and they can they can be we created them on a whim, and they can be destroyed on a whim yeah. as well, or harvested, like in or harvested yeah. or whatever. Maybe science and Prometheus exist in the same universe. If the engineer is creating them, and then there's the other aliens that come to harvest. Water is their nemesis. Kryptonite, yeah. <laughs> I agree with what you were saying. And I also, something I wanted to touch on, that's the, that I guess is there as a, that is more of the subtext of the thematic uh, struggle there. And that uh, it's been present in the original Alien film. Um, there's plenty of articles that's been written about it. I've made a video about it myself that touches on it, but that's the way Alien depicts sexuality in a very perverted and violent way. And uh, Prometheus carries that on that it pretty much does the same because you have the whole, the whole premise of Alien is that you have at once this kind of forceful impregnation through the face huggers. And in this, in Prometheus, you also have a version of that. And then also right. a violent birth with the chest bursters. And uh, here, of right. course, you have the very unsettling scene with Shaw as she is mutilating herself to get that creature out of her. And so there's this whole intertwinement of death and life and the kind of deeper existential questions that follow from that, where we have this image of life devouring itself to continue itself, basically. And that naturally raises the question like why for what purpose is that necessary why does is violence necessary for creation and why are they so interlinked and what does that mean for us who are like caught in the middle of it who are just like links in this long chain of giving birth dying and then giving birth again or that's not the right order but you you, you yeah, get what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. you get the point right yeah it even made me think of Terrence Malick in his Voyage of Time documentary, he also questions like why the need for death and violence in order for life to continue? Why can life not be everlasting? Why can we not be immortal? Why do we right. have to, why are we doomed to play this out like over and over again? And I think that's also leads to another thematic element that maybe comes back more clearly in Covenant, but we also, we already see it here with Wayland's character, and that's the idea of then the creation becoming aware of its place in the whole chain and wanting to escape it or wanting to defy it. And, and that's linked to Wayland because he obviously is the one who wants to be immortal, right? I think that's right. pretty sure that's what he explicitly stated in this movie. It's there implicitly if he doesn't say it explicitly. I don't remember, but... Yeah, because I think he what he wants from the engineers is not like Shaw wants answers, as you said. She feels like she's deserve, uh, she deserves explanation, but Wayland right. is more there for like a transaction. He wants more life. I think that's also something that is uh, also present in some of the other character relations that's between... Um, the, the character of Vickers, she turns out to be the daughter of Wayland, and they also seem to have a bit of a strenuous relation. It's there with David, yeah. who I think is the most compelling character in the movie in the way he feels human and has clearly some human motivations, but also is distinctively alien in other ways, which makes him mm -hmm. more unpredictable and to me at least more fascinating. That he, that there seems to be, an, it's not as explicit yet but in this movie at least he seems to struggle a lot with role of servitude and what he what else he could be like his 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 own potential or his own desires maybe or he feels like a little child at some parts of the movie yeah, where he doesn't yeah. seem to be for example he inf he's the one who infects holloway with the black goo but it doesn't seem to be like a deliberate malicious intent but maybe also more like a child who's exploring the world and who's like, oh, I wonder what happens if I do this. He also, he gets Holloway's consent because he asks him, he says, what would you be willing to do in oh. order to find your answers? And Holloway says anything and everything. And oh, yeah. I don't, I'm assuming this was intentional, but mm -hmm. I'm imagining in his little, his robot brain, he's like, oh, he, ta he takes that answer literally. Mm. And then it's like, oh, that I'm allowed to infect you then. Yeah. Like, 
this is my interpretation. He mm -hmm. sees infecting Holloway as a way to hopefully find out some of those answers. Yeah. And Holloway's like, yeah, I'd be willing to do anything, including die. And mm -hmm. so he unknowingly poisons him. It's kind of like uh, Hal in 2001, A Space Odyssey, that yeah, also yeah. ruins everything by sticking precisely to the kind of computing limitations that were given by his creators. So yeah, yeah that might be that. That's something that I was thinking about as well, that maybe there's uh, the whole thing of, of the whole presence of or existence of David implies that we as creations of the engineers have also made our own creations. Right. Like we also became engineers in some way, but maybe that it's kind of like power to create gets diluted a bit, little bit when it trickles down. Like the engineers create lesser versions of themselves, which are us, and we create lesser versions of ourselves, which are uh, the androids. And then maybe David uh, creates like even more uh, wacky versions by messing around with the the black goo and the aliens and stuff. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just gooey creations all the way down. <laughs> so yeah, the goal is to get to to go upwards to the purest, most less distilled right. black goo, and that's yeah, that's God. <laughs> <laughs> To me, this movie really works on a certain level. If, if you're just like along for the ride and mm -hmm. you're engaging with it as as this mysterious, like, you know, with the at this mysterious atmospheric piece about encountering a, an unknowable like environment or searching mm -hmm. for answers and finding even more questions and mystery and like the what seems to be the answers just being a mess of like details and stuff. Like to me, it works pretty well as that. And then it's like, this is where I think watching and then talking about Alien Covenant will be interesting because that comes after this. Mm. But in thinking about this as part of like a larger like lore and the fact that it's supposed to fit within this larger lore and the fact that like maybe what's being birthed at the end is the xenomorphs and like the, all those details are where it just makes my brain hurt. And then I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know if it mm. really like how, how much it holds up. But when it's just dealing with those like emotional aspects or like the specific individual set pieces, I think like yeah. I like it really well in those cases. Um, and yeah. And like you're saying, just all the things that it's dealing with, like the layers of of creation and the ideas, mm. which are things that are like very present on people's minds now because a big part mm. of the, in some ways, this kind of cosmology that Ridley Scott and Damon Lindelof are presenting in this movie is kind of similar to like a simulation theory style idea where it's like the basic simulation theory argument is like, it seems like we'll be able to simulate a reality at some point eventually our technology will be good enough to do that. And if we can create that simulation, we should assume that then it would make sense for us to assume that we're in a simulation oh, created yeah. by somebody else. And it's the same kind of thing here where it's like, once you start turning over that stone of like, we've created humanity, maybe it's not all the way there, but it's, it's close enough. You have people or not people, but creatures, characters, whatever they are, like David. And then it's like, that leads to this assumption of like probably then we were the creation mm -hmm. of something else maybe kind of like us and you know who and how far back does that go who mm. knows yeah i guess that eventually ends up back at the question of like god and belief and faith and right yeah just the like basic existential questions right yeah one thing i also thought was interesting is that the movie i've forgotten how big of a cast it really had mm-hmm like, it's not just a handful of characters with one being the skeptic, the other being the believer, and so on. It's like there's a pretty wide palette of different character types. Nice size crew. Which, yeah, with like some big actors that I'd forgotten about. Like I, Yeah, I forgot that Idris Elba was in this. Yeah, exactly. Idris Elba, I was going to say. But yeah, I like the way that they all seem to have like little hints as to how they relate themselves to the uncertainty that the engineers signify and also in some way when that uncertainty is almost taken away like how they respond to it is very differently and there you can also uh, there's a lot of like revealing moments as to the connection between what you believe and how you behave yourself 
on an interpersonal level? Like, does it make you more selfish or maybe less selfish? Does it make you more courageous or does it make you more scared? And I'm not sure if that's something you noticed or thought about or... I like the way in which it has these different, like some people seem to have a deep, like, curiosity. They just want to know. They want these answers and they'll kind of like stop at nothing to get there. And that's kind of what we see in like Shaw and Holloway. And then there's other people in life. I find this to be the case about like existential questions. There's other people who are like, I'm just here to do a job. And Mm. like, I'm just trying to get through my day, get my work done. And like, I'm not really that worried about like where I came from or, or what this whole thing is about. And you see that reflected in in some of the characters. I think that's Idris Elba. He's the captain of the ship. He at one point mentions like Shaw's like trying to get him excited about the discovery. And he's like, I'm just here to fly the ship. Right. Yes. Basically implying I, I don't really care. Yeah. I think I would maybe even characterize what I just described even as more like the um, Fifield, I think that was his name, character um, and one of the other guys. They're the first guys to like die, get eaten. Oh, yeah. They're just there for money. They're like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Idris Elba, I think, kind of seems that way at first. But yeah. then him and his crew by the end, it's like they kind of find meaning and purpose, not in answers about where they came from, but in this kind mm-hmm. of act helping to save Earth by, you know, sacrificing themselves to fly this ship and take down the other ship. And so I think, like, there's, you know, variety. I mean, it keeps it interesting and you you have diverse mm-hmm. characters with different perspectives, but it also it also kind of showcases how in real life, I think, when it comes to these questions about, like, where we came from and why are we here and meaning and all these other things, there are some people who, like, are deeply obsessed with that for whatever reason. And then there's other people who are, like, content to just get on with it or or the people who are like i don't understand mm-hmm. i i'm not going to deal with those questions but i can find you know yeah, meaning yeah, yeah. within this larger act of of mm-hmm. you know whatever my duty or purpose is or those kinds of things yeah yeah it's it's, it's almost kind of sad that i think uh, idris elba's character is not more developed because he does like his sudden courage at the end does feel like it comes a bit out of the blue Although it does feel like he may have been some kind of military type person. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, but just, uh, yeah, for the sake of completion, you have uh, Shaw, who is more the believer. She is someone who's excited to, or as, as, as we talked about earlier, she even feels entitled to answers. She feels like right. she's owed an explanation for her existence. Um, there's Holloway, who also shares her enthusiasm, but he seems more, uh, he's more realistic about it or he he also maybe more quickly comes to accept like okay maybe this is it we're done i know it now i'm I'm ready to go home like he's not maybe a true believer but maybe someone who just wanted some kind of satisfaction I'm not sure if that's your interpretation as well he doesn't he dies pretty early so yeah, he also yeah. doesn't get a full resolution as to his character arc i think yeah, though no, he does, I think... uh, he, he does show some nobility in his eventual sacrifice. He realizes that he's okay. I'm now a danger to right. my loved one and the rest of the crew. Like I need, I need to step out of this, which is yeah. in direct contrast with like Fifield and the other one, Milburn. I think he was more of a biologist, yes, type person, and Fifield was more the he was the geologist, geologist. And he, yeah, as you said, he was there for the money. They both were. And Milburn at least seems to have some fascination towards the creatures and the strangeness of that place. Whereas Fifield is like, okay, um, I don't want to know anything here. Like, I don't right. want to know anything about it. Just, I've I done my job. Let me go home. I think he is the, probably the most careless one, or at least he doesn't care about the, the whole existential stuff yeah. from all of them. And then, yeah, there's Idris Elba's uh, Yannick. Uh, was his character's name yeah he feels more like as as we as you said like more uh, someone who's not concerned with religion or god or the whole thing they're doing there but he does feel like he has some devotion to just humanity and just the idea of that we like need to safeguard each other or at least safeguard the right. planet and he's like he's the one who is more concerned with what is and 
right. uh, find some kind of virtue in uh, protecting that or yeah whatever just as, uh, as the rest of his uh, uh, crew does I'm not sure about Vickers character the one that's played by Charlie Theron she's there were rumors at the beginning that she may also be an android but I'm not sure that's true or even it's implied sort of in the right. movie but it's also yeah. it feels more like in the movie she's blamed for it's not like they're suggesting she's an actual robot more that they're making a comment on the nature of her character as a human being which is just right. yeah compared to being robotic and yeah there's hints dropped at several places that she might be and then like that her her relationship to wayland yeah. as like a daughter also to me kind of seems like there's a there's an implication there where it's like she kind of calls him father in a way to to me that like leaves it more open like maybe he's more of a symbolic father than a literal father i don't know maybe this question mm -hmm. is answered in alien covenant and you know but i will say i do think she operates as kind of like an extension of Wayland's motivations in a lot of ways where she's very mm -hmm. like it's all about self-preservation like her quarters mm -hmm have there is its own pod that can lock itself off and like she's basically lying to the whole crew about yeah. the true purpose of the mission yeah right and i think she, like she her and wayland's motivations are very similar in that it's completely mm -hmm. self-serving they're just trying to achieve something for their own ends and their own survival to perpetuate their own you know mm -hmm. their own self and so yeah. like david and vickers are kind of whether or not they're both robots are kind of both i think extensions of of that in a sense as like kind of wayland's children in one way or another mm. so yeah that would be yeah. my take on them i think wayland is interesting too because he like shaw he does seem to be a true believer but he somehow corrupts it into making it like a to into fully making it a quest for his personal gain like even shaw has a sort of selflessness to it also in the end that she doesn't even want to go home she just wants to continue like she's completely careless about her own existence almost it's almost it seems she just wants the answer whereas wayland is kind of the maybe the other side of that same coin and he also yeah. feels like he's owed something but he wants something like more material and more selfish out of it that uh, whereas shaw is more interested in some kind of spiritual uh, resolution I guess I really like the character of David I really like M Michael Fassbender's performance in this I mm. love how he embodies kind of like an unnatural yeah. android sort of um don't wait until you see Covenant Gets okay better. cool yeah <laughs> uh, I'm excited for that but yeah yeah mm -hmm. I guess maybe to wrap up like final feelings on the film how does this work I think for yeah. me I think where I fall on it ultimately is without having seen Alien Covenant or knowing how these two fit together, it's I think this would have been a better movie if it was just a standalone film, not at all related to the Alien franchise or, or universe. I understand why this kind of movie kind of has to be just like making a completely original mm -hmm. big budget with this kind of cast Alien film Ridley Scott in this decade, day and age mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to do. And so attaching it to that kind of franchise is probably why it was able to get made in the first place. But I feel like when it felt like it had to be connected to the Alien franchise, both in terms of the lore it was trying to like establish or uncover and in terms of just some of the like tropes that it seemed like it was trying to to hit in terms of like having, a you know, monster moments that seem similar to the original films those monster moments were actually fairly well constructed but to me they just mm -hmm. kind of stuck out amidst the more yeah like existential you know more psychologically horrifying and like atmospheric elements of of the film what do you think the movie would have looked like if it wasn't an alien franchise entry like what would have replaced the monster scenes do you think there would have been something similar that we just feel like an alien but wouldn't be like alien trademarked or would it have gone in a completely different direction because i i, I agree that it feels like it's limited by being an alien right. franchise yeah. film but i also feel like as we talked about i feel like the sort of sexual symbolism and the way the subtext of there being like this violent process of creation that right right does fit into the 
the engineer stuff as well and just the general existential quest that's that's also present in the other half of the movie so to say i think like that stuff i mean mm -hmm. doesn't bother me too much i think where like the specific like specifically where i would have liked to see it go in a different direction is like the the scene where we first see there's like that snake thing that pops up out of the water and kills the first two guys oh yeah and it's like you have you have this incredible i love the 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 space they go into it's so spooky like you're, they're seeing the holograms there's this weird hard like they don't understand this world they can breathe in the environment it's so like weird and dark and atmospheric and and it's genuinely kind of like spooky and horrifying and then like you end up just like interacting with something that's like the thing that kills them is like this you know slightly slimy weird snake mm -hmm. that you know mm -hmm. jumps on them and like strangles them or whatever it's ridiculously and strong yeah yeah i would have <laughs> loved if it had leaned more into the just like unknowableness or like the you know mm. just been like a little bit more out there in terms of how it presented those moments where like how the things fell apart felt a little bit more alien and and weird and you know bizarre mm -hmm. and kind of leaned into that just like spooky atmospheric element so i don't know i think i mean i think there's places where it works and places where it it mm -hmm. doesn't work exactly it definitely would have had to go in a slightly different direction. I guess I don't have all the answers, but yeah, that's yeah. an example of the kind of thing mm -hmm. where like I, I would have really loved something that leaned more into that that weird territory. Mm -hmm. Slightly more annihilation than right. alien. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Somewhere between those two, mm. I think I think yeah. it would, would have been my preference. But I mean, I'm not yeah. making the movie, so I don't get to call the shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what I really loved about it, and that's something I... I was thinking of other movies that have something or that do something similar, but I couldn't really think of any, is that it, the movie essentially presents an alternative creation story for humanity. It gives an explanation for how we came to this planet that is wholly unique and fictional, which I'm not sure there's a lot of movies that do that. I know uh, like in the realm of video games, you have Assassin's Creed, which does or at least initially tried to do something similar where it gave you these hints of like an alternative past to humanity and maybe some alternative version of uh, the act of creation of, of humanity, but that kind of uh, ended up falling by the wayside as too many games came out. But I know there's some movies that deal with it, but I couldn't really think of any that do it with... Uh, as well as Prometheus does, or with this kind of mystery and thematic weight attached to it. And so that's something I'll I'll always uh, admire about this movie, that yeah. uh, it, it makes such a bold, or apparently it, it seems like something uncommon that for a film to do. I'm not sure if that's like a controversial, controversial thing to do, maybe in some circles, like here we present an alternative act of creation. But yeah, I really like it. And I'm not sure about this movie if it handles the question of faith as well as some of Ridley Scott's other movies, like maybe Kingdom of Heaven, I think, does it a lot better. We've also talked about that one. Yeah. Um, I felt like Shaw's religion or religion is kind of superficially presented. Yeah, it's not delved into very deeply. Yeah, that's the flashback of her father who's like, oh, this is what I choose to believe. And Shaw also doesn't really reassess her faith significantly as the movie continues as we i mentioned the scene with her and holloway where she's just like passing the ball with the oh but who created the engineers like yeah to me that was a bit too much of a i'm religious but then there's new information and then i kind of instead of like readjusting or reevaluating my beliefs i just do it the other way. I, I figure out a way to fit the new information into my beliefs so that I don't have to reevaluate them. I think Ridley Scott in general is kind of hit and miss when it comes to religious explorations. I was kind of disappointed by Exodus, I think, The Gods and Kings. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's basically the story about Moses. and But it does yeah. that thing where then Moses talks to a child who is supposed to represent God and then there's some other character observing him or like secretly observing him in the distance and it seems like he's just talking to himself. Right. So it kind of reduces that whole question of religion to, oh, maybe it's all in his head. And right. that, yeah, yeah. to me, it's just not a fascinating approach to dive into that. Yeah. 
But other than that, what I also thought was really interesting about Prometheus, that's something that I didn't think of until I rewatched it um, earlier today, is that that the humans also kind of set in motion their own doom, essentially, because um, when they land on the planet and they enter the ship, they they are the ones who awaken the engineer who then remembers like, oh yeah, right. I, have a, <laughs> I have this mission to destroy Earth. Let's yes, yeah. do this right now. And <laughs> so there's also that implication, like if they had never gone there, they would never have almost destroyed themselves. So that might... Yeah. I was kind of thinking about how does that fit into the whole theme, like that maybe to know the ultimate question is also to destroy yourself in some way or to 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 wreck whatever it is that you built up until that point. Or yeah. but yeah, I, just to wrap up, I had one fun question. Uh, knowing I, I've seen Alien Covenant, I think two times. I'm sure a lot of other listeners have, but you haven't. So I'm just curious. We end Prometheus with the head of David and Shaw going on a new mission on an alien ship to visit the alien or the, the engineer home planet. Right. What do you imagine Covenant is going to be? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I imagine probably, I know David is an alien Covenant, mm-hmm. so I imagine he exists as a head or back on his body <laughs> in some other... She, she, well, she rescues the body at the end very specifically, mm-hmm. so... I'm assuming he gets reattached to his body or, you know, reincorporates mm-hmm. in some some other form. Uh, and then you probably have her on a ship. And then, like, that would fit very well into the alien world of, like, you're on a ship, you have, like, some people on a ship, and then maybe there's aliens on there. You could mm-hmm. have other aliens stuck in the ship that you awaken. It seems like you might need a, a crew of more than just two people. So I don't know how you get, like, other people on there to kind of fit within mm-hmm. the alien movie format. But that would be my assumption. Yeah. But I guess we'll we'll have to find out. You haven't seen the trailers either, or <laughs> no, no, I I know oh, okay. absolutely nothing Going about in it. Yeah, completely yeah. blind. Okay. Yeah. So it's gonna be fun. So yeah, check out check out the bonus episode, and uh, you'll see how uh, how wrong Thomas is. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to get access to that bonus episode, you can listen to it with Nebula, which is our creator owned streaming service that has all of the videos that we have on YouTube are also on Nebula without any ads and early and all of the episodes of this podcast are also on nebula a week early without any ads and our bonus episodes the alien covenant episode will be our fifth bonus episode so there's already four others we've talked about uh 2001 a space odyssey we've talked about drive we've talked about 1917 and dr strange multiverse of madness so you can check all of those out on nebula if you don't have Nebula, the best way to get access to Nebula is with the Curiosity Stream bundle. That's only $12 for the first year. You can sign and you get all of Curiosity Stream, which is a separate streaming service with a bunch of documentaries on it, and you get access to Nebula for free. So if you don't have Nebula yet, you can sign up for that bundle for only $12 for the first year, and you'll get access to all of Nebula, all of our bonus episodes, all of our other bonus content that's on there. Just follow the link in the description below or go to curiositystream.com slash cinema of meaning to sign up for that bundle. 